Breaking news. Welcome to Will and Merzane's special TTS report. Thanks, Merzane, and welcome in to what is, spoiler alert, unfortunately going to be the final TTS special report of season seven. That's right. I got beat in my first round match of the cuts, but I learned a lot. It was a really great game. Shout out to Barncat for just, one, being a great opponent, two, being a really good player, and three, just uh, making the game really fun, even though it definitely swung in some wild directions. But uh, anyways, Suits, I've got Merzane here with me today. What's happening, my bud? Nothing much. Just sitting at home. I just actually uh, finished watching the parts of your game that I missed live. So I'm a little bit more freshly prepared than I typically am where I have to take your word for it. (laughs) Well, you'll probably be able to help me remember things that I kind of blacked out on, you know, because I definitely Mm -hmm. was like, you know, I got the shakes and the sweats again. Uh, But before we start talking about this match real quick, I do want to let the suits know out there that I'm working with a new piece of technology on this podcasting setup here. So if I sound different, if things sound weird... If mine and Merzane's levels don't match perfectly, I'm sorry for that. I'm trying to get better and learn it. I've tried to really get good with it before we hit the record button. But, you know, things are what they are sometimes in the land of audio recording. So just bear with us as we have a little bit of growing pains on this episode, maybe. But we're trying to get better with it. So anyways, Merzane, season seven for me has come to a close. And I want to start off the discussion that we're going to have today with saying thank you to you for one, putting the bug in my head about this idea and two, helping me up my play and helping me kind of take a look at the game from a different perspective and just generally being positive about the whole experience. It's been really pleasant to have these conversations with you and everything and I really appreciate it. And then Also, I have to thank the suits out there because your support through this whole thing, I've gotten multiple messages, multiple things on our Discord talking about it, and it's it's really meant a lot to me to to see everybody's attitudes about this whole thing and see everybody's, you know, cheering me on or or just telling me to just, you know, stay calm because that's what I tend to do is not be calm. So (laughs) I I just gotta say thank you to you, Merzane, and to all the suits out there for uh, coming with me on this journey. Yeah, I, I have really enjoyed also these conversations and the conversations we've had in the Discord uh, with the suits. Uh, it's been really great. It's been a lot of fun. It, it I didn't have as good of a season as you did, um, and it really kept me in it to like be able to discuss things with you rather than just, oh, well, I guess now it's just time to take a back seat and not care and let me stay invested. Uh and also, I really liked being able to like bring this side uh, a little bit more of a positive light because I feel like there's a lot of times you could talk about like playing a game competitively, and that kind of has like some baggage to it, mm-hmm. right? Like people like that. There's things that are associated with it, both good and bad. Um, and it, it's nice to be able to show like, hey, you know, it doesn't have to be this one thing. You can make it however you want, like. It's not always just about winning at what, with whatever it takes. Sometimes it's about you know personal improvement, personal goals, 
having fun, meeting new people, which is always my goal when I go to places and stuff. But it's been nice to bring that that air of positivity and, and a different spin with you, uh, you know, showing that it's not all all bad and all mean people, which I don't <laughs> think most people think that. But I have I've I've had conversations like that before. Oh, yeah, and, for sure. And I'll say at least in this game, I have had I don't think I've had any negative experiences with people like playing and that's impressive <laughs> i've played several games and uh typically it's not too quick it's not too long before you find somebody you're like wow that guy was a jerk <laughs> yeah. this game i haven't really had that yeah it's it's definitely more rare on this side of things i feel like and i mean i haven't really had too many experiences like that in general in just my general gaming life it's been mostly positive experiences and yeah you know i i think I've had one or two negative experiences and I've also been the arbiter of a negative experience for a couple people. And that really kind of, you know, hammered home what I talk about on the show, you know, and what I talk about and how I try to play the game is to not have that negative experience be something for somebody. Like I, I, I still have a memory of a guild ball match I had that, was it was at an event and it was our first kind of local live tournament thing and I was playing fish and this guy opened his box of farmers right there to start playing them and I proceeded to destroy him. It wasn't particularly intentional but I also felt like hot garbage trash afterwards. And look, I, there's an argument to be said. Well, he came to an event, should have known that was possible. You know, it was designed as a tournament, designed as a competitive event, blah, blah, blah. Sure. But I went hard in the paint. And everybody can play the game how they want. Look, if, if hard in the paint is your style all the time, every time, that's fine. I get that. But for me, that's just not the experience I wanted. And it wasn't the experience my opponent came to get. And it was one of those things where if I'd have just taken my foot off the gas just a little bit, we both could have had more fun, I think. So, you know, it's just, that's just a random thing, but it's one of those things that sticks with me. And in this game, like we said, I've had very few negative experiences, maybe one or two. And that's just going to happen because the game's huge. So you're going to run into people, but this season has been nothing but positive experiences. It's been a joy to go through this season and learn convocation, learn the different play styles of different lists, learn different things. I avoided Black Order and Brotherhood, which were the two things that I wanted to avoid the most. I avoided them the whole season for the most part. So here we well are. Well played. <laughs> I mean, that's the two things that I was very much not excited to be going against and didn't run into them even once. Yeah, that's that's the mark of a great player when you can dodge your bad matchups. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, Merzane, why don't we, without further ado, talk about this matchup. And I want to go back to our discussion about this matchup before we kind of get into the nitty gritty of what happened in the match. And 
we focused a lot on the Black Order side of my opponent's roster. He was Black Order Guardians. And we knew murder was the game because it was very set up for all of that. Well, Mm -hmm. turns out Black Order is only there as a red herring, more or less. Very specific matchups, very specific crisis setups, but more or less a red herring. Uh Ah. Yeah. And it definitely threw me off, especially in my turn zero, like we talked about, right? And it was going to be hard to determine what he was going to do, but I wanted to put myself in the best possible position to win. But I still expected Black Order, and I should have known better on Sword Base, because we had, we we pulled, I won priority, funnily enough, and we pulled Sword Base and Scrolls. And he chose 17 as his choice of threat value. And I thought, I kind of got myself way in the mindset of Black Order. And so I brought Hulk. Because I felt like Hulk at 17 into Black Order, with the rest of my team being Mordo, Clea, and Strange, that's something I can deal with. That's something that... Hulk will will pay dividends there potentially is how I felt about it. And I didn't think necessarily about the displacement that Thanos can do to Hulk uh, there, but I was like, well, look, if Hulk gets there and Hulk can do the thing, well, by God, he's going to do the thing. And I feel like that he's a decent answer to Black Order. And even if he's only getting one attack off, it still is a valuable attack. Yep, and he's a lot of health to chew through. So, like... It's hard for them to one-shot him and then move on to the next guy to one-shot. If, if they're pouring an entire activation to Hulk and he's dying, that's just more characters for you to use uh, elsewhere. Which is what you want, believe it or not. You want yeah, to be exactly. able to activate your characters. <laughs> that's exactly it. And, you know, it's one of those things that I am... It's just really hard for me to to deal with with what I'm going to do with Black Order, you know what I mean? So anyways, he brought Guardians, though. That's the thing. So the Guardians he brought were Star-Lord, Gamora, Rocket, Groot, and Ghost Rider. The boy. Yeah. And when we were talking about all of this... I don't know if you remember, I was like, look, you know, I understand that he's got Guardians. I feel okay into Guardians and blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Like I, I was I was comfortable into the Guardians matchup and I still am. And I don't feel like that I made too many egregious mistakes, which after the fact, uh, I got many a message from people saying how clean of a game it was overall with both players making very few mistakes and whatnot, which thank you for that. If you go back and watch it, or if you did watch it, it's on uh, Xavier Protocol's Twitch page. Uh, I I highly recommend it because I do think it's a pretty good thing. And again, a lot of people were talking about the way that Convocation plays and kind of seeing Convocation played at a different level was very good and everything. And this is not me tooting my own horn. This is me saying, if, if, I would love your opinion on it. <laughs> and uh, it was, yeah, so just, I'll, I'll stop there and let you say something, Merzane. 
I, I did think it was a pretty clean game. Um, I think that the, the mistakes that were made on either side were so minor. Um, I, I think that a lot more of it probably comes down to like a little bit of dice um, and a f- just a couple of key errors uh, here and there, which is what you want to hear. <laughs> it, it sounds weird to say you made a key error and that can contribute to the loss, but that just means that it's something you can improve on oh, yeah. and not something that's like, well, you lost. Deal with it. Yeah. Um, but overall, it was a really good game. Uh, it was really tense because it was really a like uh, for a little bit of like an overview. Like you kind of went ahead early. You got the early round one advantage, lost it uh, in the in the next two rounds, and then like had this glimmer of hope to just solo kill his entire team with Hulk for a while. <laughs> yeah. And there was just this like, ooh, ooh, this is this is doable. Like it was still a game the entire game. The last round, I think, was the one where it's like, yeah, there's really nothing you can do. Because just the way points work, like there was right. not a mathematical way to win. But it was still even then it was tense. It's like, could you like just do a bunch of stuff and just have this really crazy finale to the game? Right. And uh uh it, it was just a really good game all the way through. I think you both played well. Uh I think it's not it, it's not a loss to be disappointed in. It's it's uh, it was a game to be pretty proud of. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. And I, I mean, I agree too. At the end of the day, when when I reflect on this game, I haven't gone back and watched it yet. But when I reflect on it, I really got a lot of valuable lessons out of it. And let's start with talking about the kind of again turn zero aspect of it, because when you're looking at your opponent's roster and trying to determine what they're going to do. Sometimes it's really hard, and this is one of those things where I've got to, I learned, I don't need to play my opponent's game, I need to play my game. Now, do I mm-hmm. feel like Hulk was a, a bad choice there? I don't think he was bad choice, but I also don't think I utilized him to his fullest potential, and I don't think that, and I think that someone like Magic and Lizard those two characters taking the place of a Hulk would have probably been a better option. Potentially. I I think that Hulk was fine. I think more of the issue that I had was you kind of were banking on Hulk and Dr. Strange doing all of your work. Yes. And when one of them fell, your team fell. And I kind of felt like as good, as much as I like Clea, I felt like she didn't do a lot. Well, I thought that very specific reason she didn't do a lot. There was a very specific reason. Yeah, <laughs> I felt like um, magic may have been really good here uh, as as your fourth, like Hulk, Strange, Magic, Morta, rather than the Clea, uh, just to give another character with output some mobility because that was one thing you kind of lacked. Like Clea and Clea gives a little bit. Hulk has a little bit. Doctor Strange was the most of it. But having that third character to go along Hulk and Strange with a lot of mobility to like move around and then potentially journey through limbo and stuff, which that wasn't necessary, but it's good. Kind of keeps the the sword bases open a little bit more, which also having two more characters do does as well. But uh, right. I, I think having a way to displace the size three characters you knew were coming in the Hulk was a good thing, uh, a more consistent because Lizard can do it, but it's not very consistent. Right, right. And so 
that was one of those areas where I was just like second guessing myself pretty much as soon as rosters were revealed. But I was like, okay, my plan, once I saw everything was unfolding, I'm like, you know, obviously we're going to deploy and not try to give too much information on deployment because believe me, you can give too much information on deployment people, but try not to give too much information on deployment. But I was like, I'm going to shade to one side or the other and just focus on the middle and another, and another side. And I'm going to just try to do nothing but keep the middle and an, and a side. And there we go. And yep. when he deployed, he deployed Gamora on a flank, Star-Lord on a flank, Ghost Rider, Groot, and Rocket up the middle. And I like I really liked his deployment, and I wish now, obviously knowing how things have unfolded, but I actually really do wish that I'd have gone to the Star-Lord side because there was a big building kind of right in the middle of the table that would have blocked line of sight from Rocket. Mm-hmm. And he would have had a harder time shooting my people over that building. He would have, he could crawl onto it, find whatever, blah, blah, blah. But he would have had a harder time shooting at my people from behind that building if I'd have shaded to that side more. Yeah. And he had no way to remove it. No way to get rid you of were, it. You were the one that had all the keys to removing. Exactly. So, like, I feel like ultimately that is that is a a mistake I made early was not going to that side, but I did kind of shade myself to the side with Gamora on it, but I felt okay with that. I felt like, okay, you know, if I can get to Gamora, I can maybe get her down, that kind of stuff. And then, you know, I used Clea early. So this, this is what happened with Clea right away. Why she specifically didn't do anything in this game. And I do think that Clea is good. I think Clea on sword base is good with her throw and her placement being online all the time because of her role for power thing. Well, turn one, first activation or maybe second activation. I don't remember. if I think it was the second activation for me. I activate Clea and I roll and I have four skulls show up. The worst. Holy crap. Like I've rolled two skulls on that before never more than that but holy crap four skulls right off the rip with her it's like well i hope it was worth it because now she's not doing anything the rest of the game i believe it was said in the uh in the commentators chat that that's like a one percent chance yeah well there you go i I know there you go (laughs) the the math of 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 jacob i definitely trust but for me it was it was one of those things where instantly demoralizing because now I've got a character that is going to die immediately. And I'm going to be down to three activations potentially for the rest of the game into his five activations. It's going to be really tough. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a really hard blow, like mentally to come back from. Exactly. We, you know, we talk about staying calm and stuff, keeping, keeping a positive spin and, Sometimes it can be hard when things like that happen to just be like to, to see the bright side of it. Right. Um, and to have it happen literally, I, th- I think it was your first activation. Uh, even if it wasn't to have it happen the first round, uh, it's, it's such a huge blow. Uh, I, I, kudos for later on keeping your cool and being able to like stay in the game. <laughs> yeah. 
that's a really easy place to lose the game. Like just, just right there to, to lose your mentality, like lose your focus, get tilted and just go downhill. Yeah. And it, I, it I don't think it affected to. you like that. It, I don't, I mean, it, it definitely was like, oh my God, you know what I mean? Like one of those, but then, but then I had, so like I had this like hyper negative moment and then I had a triumphant swing in the other direction later on in round one. So it kind of balanced itself out in terms of the getting tilted part of it, I guess. But yeah, it, it still was one of those like, oh man. So turn one, I, I set up to where Mordo's kind of in the middle to where he can buff Stranger Hulk. Clea teleports, I don't remember who, forward. I Hulk. think it was Hulk, yeah. Hulk forward because my opponent had moved Rocket and Groot up the middle. Obviously, he saved Ghost Rider for the last activation. Um, the Star-Lord was on the flank, already up on the sword base, took that, and then you had Gomorrah on the other flank for the sword base there. So once it became apparent that Gomorrah was the forward character for him on that side closest to Strange, I thought, okay, well, maybe I can put a little damage into Gamora, turn one, and then finish her off turn two to, for a daze to deny him that activation. That'd be really good here. And so I move up with Strange, and I get one attack buffed by Mordo to make it a seven dice Mystic with a Pierce. I'm at range three, so no martial prowess. And I one-shot her. Yep. Which was amazing. Like, it felt really great. And and look, it was, an, it was a great roll. Seven dice Mystic with a Pierce into three dice. I think you're looking at, a, you're likely to do three or four damage. Uh, I, I don't say likely, but your odds of doing three damage is pretty good. Four damage, pretty decent as well. But six is a very low percentage as well. So that was really nice. Really, really nice roll there. And so that kind of, you know, scared my opponent a little bit. And it also gave me the power to then move up with Strange, flip that sword base, and then now he can't get over there to get that sword base anymore because I think he only had Rocket and Ghost Rider left at that point, and neither of them mm-hmm. had the range to get over there. And it's because I because I one-shot Gamora, he only got the one power for Ghost Rider for that, so it worked out really well. That definitely balanced out the Clea move a little bit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> It, it definitely did. However, Clea still, I, I played so cagey with Clea the rest of the game, and she survived on that one health for a long time, but it's because what's the point in even messing with her because she can't really do much anyways. Yeah, pretty much. So anyway, so then I moved Hulk up, and I was able to take that middle sword base, and I got a little lucky because he moved Ghost Rider up. I thought he would attack Hulk, but he decided not to. He moved Ghost Rider up and rolled for the sword base and failed to roll. So definitely lucky there, because it could have been worse. Yeah, 50-50 shot, and uh, you got it. Exactly. So round one, I feel like all things falling how they did, everything was pretty even. And round two was kind of like a real turning point, I think, in the game. And Merzane, here's where I think I made my biggest mistake, is, is right off the rip on turn two. And before I tell everybody what that mistake was, I want to say, everybody, you know, out there, there are over 
a hundred characters in this game now. I don't know the exact number, but there's more than a hundred characters available, right? Even as yep. a content creator that talks about this stuff all the time, I'm I'm deep in this stuff. I look at it constantly. I forget what plenty of characters have out there. All right. So if you're at a game and somebody surprises you with an ability that you forgot they had, it's okay. You know, like I would encourage people when they're playing to be like, hey, does so-and-so have any defensive tech that I need to be worried about or something like that? That might not be a bad thing to do. And it's something that I'm going to try to remember to do myself because of what I'm about to tell you. And it's right here where I feel like the mistake of the game happened. So turn two, top of turn two, I had priority. I had priority this whole game, which was awesome. And I activate Strange. I know activating Strange early is a big risk. However, he's staring down Gamora, who's on her injured side. I got this. Right? That's that's kind of what I thought. And I was like, mm-hmm. let me go for the KO for real and play playing a Poldock onto Gamora. Because that way, I get my Eye of Agamotto roll plus full rerolls. So I was really, really looking forward to that. And I think I even flipped the leadership. I can't uh, you did not. Okay, that's right. I did not flip the leadership here. That's right. It was the next round I did. So here's the mistake I made. Not asking my opponent if Gamora had defensive tech. And again, I know Gamora has martial prowess, but it's hard to remember those things in the heat of the moment. I was within range two because I had flipped the sword base and I had the power to teleport strange or Gamora further away right off the rip and not have martial prowess hit, but I didn't do it. And I think that was a mistake because even with all the rerolls, everything, it was five on five dice and I think I did four or five damage to her. It was four. Four damage to her. Right? I believe. Yeah. I, I think it was four as well. It, it was I think it was it was either four or five. I mean, she was close. It was close. Like yes. I was able to punch through, but ultimately what I needed to do, I think. Let me see what you think about this, Merzane. I needed to teleport Strange closer to Mordo, let Mordo get the buff on him and try to one shot her again. And then kind of maybe back off a little bit. Um, I definitely think teleporting and getting the the buff, because uh, it does two things. One, it you already have that point, so if you kill her, you don't need to control her, and it, it is a risk to do this still. Um, wh- however, you handle Gamora, whether it's try to wait later in the round, it's a risk because she could just pop you herself, or you know, leaving her alone. I, I think that definitely teleporting back to Mordo range. Shooting her once, shooting her twice if you had to, because that gives you a four die swing on your first attack. Two for you, two less for him on the yeah. defense, and then a two die swing on your second attack. And I, you're you're more likely to kill him. Um, and I also think this is an instance where flipping your leadership would have been great. Oh yeah, uh, with you having priority the whole game, and it's something I think that um, happened in a lot of games where you would hold on to it hold on to the place one turn too long. And it usually didn't matter. Usually you just, you, you powered through it. I think this is one where, you know, Hulk attack, Hulk later attacks Ghost Rider. Get a had a reroll. No, you wouldn't. Cause no, it's only, cause it's, Never mind, yeah. I'm an idiot. 
but, but Mordo and Cleo would have been able to. He would have been able to. Uh, right. And this was and my Ironbound Book's turn as well. Yeah, this is Ironbound Book's turn, which only matters for Gamora and <laughs> yeah. Groot. But that's still fine. Um, and it's like your insurance if you don't kill her, because then you can come by with someone else and take the point back. Exactly. And uh, all of this to say, this this whole this whole turn just is, again, an area where it was, oh, crap. As soon as the dice were fallen, as soon as he said martial prowess, as soon as he started rolling those five dice, I just, I knew it. You know what I mean? It was just one of those like, yep. oh no. And I thought to myself, well, my insurance is that I can teleport Gamora away, which it still was a good thing to do because even with an assassin's leap, I don't think she was able to get back within range two. It'd be, it was close, but I don't think she was able to get back at range two. I think she still would have had to move, but any, all things aside, I, I think that not being in that martial prowess range, literally, literally, if I make that one change, I think this game is completely different. Completely different because I don't think Strange goes down this round like he does. Uh, he, he ends up getting dazed later on in this round. But my opponent, to be fair, has to roll an absurd amount of dice to get him down. He, I think right. he did two attacks with Gamora and then I think Rocket blasted into him and I think finally Ghost Rider had to come over and finish him off. I don't remember who finished him off specifically but he he rolled, I think, 24 dice into Strange at one point, and, and yep. was still, Strange was still kicking. Yeah, it's a lot. Uh, Strange is strangely defensive. Yeah, he's really good. I mean, it's all dependent on those wilds that he rolls, the reverse pierces. Those those are the critical ones. Yeah, it was Ghost Rider who finished him off, because I remember he, he was trying to get a hex on Strange, and uh, I was like, that hex is gone now. Thank you. <laughs> so... You know, it's just one of those things, one of those, it's, but this, this moment was the moment. And then later on in the, in the game, like, I don't remember everything else that happened in round two. I was like, we didn't find the scroll, I think until round four. It was some crazy, it, it, it was found when it stopped mattering. Right. And what's funny about that is we were rolling on it a lot. Yes. Like, it was not some, like, oh, don't roll on this. We're not going to bother with that thing. No, no, no. It was, we were rolling on that thing a lot. So the fact that it took forever, it's the longest I've ever seen the scroll take to be found. But all of, so that 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 one turn, that strange turn is the specific thing I want you to remember because the next round, I think I, I don't even remember if I got an activation out of strange. I did. You did. I don't remember what I did with him. Uh, you attacked Gamora twice, and I believe still failed to kill her. Um, and one of the attacks, or you may have killed, I don't remember exactly. No, I didn't kill I, Gamora until re- later. I do remember that you took a Wicked's Judgment to the face for like three or four damage. Yeah, that's what it which was. Is, which is the Ghost Rider thing where if you are within three of Ghost Rider and you attack another character... And you, he can spend two power to make you take a damage for every crit in your attack roll. And you rolled a terrible opening roll. Um, I don't remember what it was, but you didn't roll well. And then you did the strange re-roll into a bunch of crits. Yeah, three crits, yeah. And, and that's what it was. That's that's right. So I was trying to finish off Gamora, I think, because she had med-packed and, and, 
you know, healed herself up to where everything was fine for the most part. And she was sitting on there a, a boatload of power. So I'm like, okay, I don't have Ironbound books up anymore. So I've got to deal with Gamora because the rest of this I can deal with if I deal with Gamora. And like you said, I had terrible opening role and then a critical heavy second role. So here I am. I think I even buffed it with Mordo. I don't remember, but I'm at least got three damage out of six on me. And then it was, okay, well, no matter what, Strange is going go and KO this turn because there's literally nothing I can do to stop it unless I just get super lucky on dice. And, well, I'm pretty sure he went pop on the very next activation to Gamora, I think. And either way, it was at that moment, this was round three, where I knew, I knew the game was over. I, I knew I had a chance, you know, like a puncher's chance kind of thing. But I even said, I said on, you know, in the match, I'm like, this game is over. It's just how fast it, it, we get to that point. Because like you said at the beginning of this show, Bersane, I put all of my eggs in the Hulk and Strange basket. And I've noticed when I play Convocation, Strange has to do work. But when all of the eggs are in his basket, it makes it hard if he ends up not performing the way that he needs to, or if he ends up going down early. Yep. And, and it's something that I think I need to get better at is not putting all of the eggs right there in that basket. But the funny thing is, I think with convocation specifically, you know, Clea and Mordo aren't particularly offensive. They can, turn on some offense every now and again, like like Clea does later on in this game. Mordo has a, a nice burning reins of Ragador. But again, it all takes power. It all takes kind of positioning and that kind of stuff to really kind of get that stuff flowing. And it it's just difficult. You know what I mean? Just yeah. difficult. So Yeah. Uh, Convocation suffers a lot from support bloat. Like they have a lot of really good characters with really good abilities, but a lot of them aren't directly offensive. So when you're looking to do, when you're looking to, to make a game offensive, sometimes it that can come back to bite you in the butt because like half your characters may not be really participating themselves. Um, and then, like you said, when you lose, when you lose your, your tent pole, uh, the whole tent comes crashing down and uh, you have a hard time recovering. Exactly. And I even got the, the bug to do a area attack with strange at one point. I was like, Oh man, I could potentially do an area attack here and maybe heal Clea a little bit. Maybe heal, you know, Strange was on no damage at that point on his injured side. But I was like, man, that'd be really cool. And just, uh, it was like, nah, it wasn't worth it. And then that's when I got all the Wicked's Judgment nonsense on me. And uh, just, that's that that's yeah. brutal. Ghost Rider was everywhere in this game and did a lot of stuff. And, you know, I, I really feel like I had a chance to continue on and keep going with kind of the way some of the dice were falling, you know, Mordo and Clea are actually pretty decent into energy attacks. So once Gamora was down, I was able to sustain a little fire from rocket and from ghost rider and stuff like that. But it still was kind of too little too late. I was able, which was really fun to get a icy tendrils of Ichthalon, which is Clea spender, I was able to get that onto Ghost Rider and hit all of the triggers to get the slow stun and stagger on him. 
Yep. Which was, is a a wild for the slow, a wild hit for the stun, crit wild hit shield for the stagger. Yeah. It was awesome. I was so happy with that roll. Like it, it didn't matter because I think Ghost Rider was left on like one health, so he was gonna go down anyway. So it was like I was just so happy that that happened in like round four or whatever. <laughs> You're like, yes! Yes, it was so great. So Eat great. Take the stagger. Take that stagger. You're gonna take it and you're gonna like it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, as the game unfolded, Hulk was able to kind of just maintain that middle presence. He kept using the sword base to push Hulk around, which I felt okay with. Like the short push is longer yeah. than his gamma leap, but on that big base, it's kind of mitigates things. So I yeah, didn't really hate much. that too much. And I was able to KO star Lord, which felt really good. Yeah. You, you ended up KOing, uh, Gamora and star Lord. And I think you almost KO'd Groot and ghost rider before the game ended. Uh, yeah. So right there, I, I almost dazed ghost rider or no, I, da- I dazed ghost rider. Yeah. Did I, daze him. I almost KO'd him and I'm, yeah, I think Groot was close, but Groot was able to heal or something. But the other mistake I made, and this was probably be the, um, the second big mistake that cost me more or less. Again, I think it was kind of done at this point, but cost me the game. Mordo and Hulk were the last two left. And they were kind of in the middle sword point. And he did an I am Groot into Hulk. And I still had sacrifice available. And I didn't sacrifice it onto Mordo. Because I am Groot applies the stagger condition, which is really bad for Hulk. I figured you might have forgotten about the stagger and then the throw. Yeah. On the I am Groot. Yeah. Uh, Well, he told me about the throw and I knew about the stagger. But for whatever reason... And I'm, again, I'm also not used to playing Sacrifice. So mm-hmm. I think that might have had a, been a contributing factor for it as well. So I should have played Sacrifice there. If I, I, I yeah. don't think it changes the outcome of the game ultimately. But if I play Sacrifice there, I'm able to get more work out of Hulk, potentially being able to KO Groot, Rocket's day. Like the, the idea would have been to KO Groot, Rocket was dazed at that point, I think. And then if I could get enough damage into Ghost Rider to where he couldn't deal with the devil because Rocket was dazed. Mm-hmm. Would have been would have been fun. <laughs> I think it would have been fun. But ultimately, it, I got I, I, tabled. <laughs> you got tabled, but it like honestly, that was because you both decided to beat the crap out of each other rather than like... He had the he had the objective win, and you guys just decided to roll the dice out. It looked like, yeah. I mean, that's that's what ended up happening. Was after Strange went down, I was like, okay, well, I can't really focus on scenario much anymore. So let me see what I can get out of Hulk. Was kind of the idea, and he kept putting damage into Hulk. So fine. So Hulk was able to get all those extra dice, which was really fun, and it was uh, yeah. I mean, it ended up being a great game, and it's the first time I've ever gotten tabled, which was crazy but it also didn't feel too bad in that way like i've i've gone on record for saying as being like look it's hard to table somebody in this game and and i do think it is because it was round six before i was fully wiped out but he was just able to to get those dice to fall and that's another thing swingy game on the dice i mean very swingy like if you go back and watch it i have that early salvo with strange right and then 
he's defensive as hell for a good middle portion of the game. And then I have a couple of pops with like Mordo and Clea, right? And then Hulk just decides to eat Star-Lord at one point. So like it, it was a real crazy dice game, which is always kind of fun. Mm-hmm. You know, so what it, do you have any other insights from this game or Zane? Um, I think you kind of identified the two big turning point or the, or the three big turning points. Like, you know, at the beginning, the, the unfortunate Clea, uh, conundrum, yeah. but then also the, the return clap on Gamora. Um, the other one being not killing Gamora, that little, that little exchange. And then the sack, as, as things started to tumble downhill for you, your, your I think your, your potential comeback was the, uh, sacrifice play and using Hulk to just like Rambo everything on the table. But I think that was an easy one to miss. I, I think overall you still played well. And I, I think that those mistakes were very, my, like they costing you the game are very easy to make and very minor. And, and they were, they were all kind of dice dependent. It's not like any of them were like a surefire, like, yeah, had you done this, you would have won. It's a, had you done this, you would have improved your odds of winning. Right. So, you know, you could have had the same out. You could have the same, you know, outcome either way. So I think you did well. I, I think that there shouldn't be any. Uh, I think you should be happy with the game that you played uh, 100%. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I am. I, I feel like it was a good game. And, you know, all of this is we achieved our goal, Merzane, which was to make the cuts. And yep. I hope that next season. I can get one win within the cuts, but I still just want to just making the cuts. I feel like is an accomplishment in its own right. And the last thing I want to talk about with this game is the clocks because that was a, a big thing for me. So I was playing at work while I was on break. So I had this really weird laggy situation going on. Like, I don't know if it came through on the stream, but for real, I would pick up a model and like try to move it and it would like teleport itself back and forth constantly. Like it was, it was really weird. I've never had TTS be that laggy for me. And so that kind of affected my clock a little bit. But one of the things I went into the game with was do not worry about the clock. Like I I specifically told myself the clock is not that much pressure because you have more than enough time to play. And I definitely, played pretty far down on my clock. I think I had eight minutes left on my clock at the point. And, and Dizzard had said that he was going to give me five extra minutes because of the lag situation and that kind of stuff. So shout out to you, Dizzard. I appreciate that. But I, it wouldn't have mattered ultimately, I don't think. But I will say clock pressure for me in with the way they're set up in this game and in this cuts, not a problem. If people are trying to play too fast and the clock pressure's getting to them, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that, you know, because in that way, yeah, sure, there's pressure. But for me, I, I didn't really feel that pressure spe- until late, like late in the game, but by that point, I only had one or two activations, so it's like, okay, well, this isn't too hard of a choice anyways. Mm-hmm. So uh, what do you think about the clocks, Merzane? I, I haven't had a lot of MCP experience with clocks, like, Chess clocks, yeah, because that's what we're talking about is chess clocks. 
uh, right? Because I think y'all played on chess. We did. We played on chess clubs, um, which uh, on, on TTS, it's a little awkward because it's kind of off to the side. That The one thing I would say is make a hotkey for it. Yeah, that would be a good idea. Time to time to get a get carefree llama on the phone. Like, hey, hotkeys, hey, hotkeys, stat. Um, I when I used to play War Machine, uh, I played a ton on Clock, and I loved it. Um, I was really skeptical at first, and I ended up um, really enjoying it. because uh, it felt nice to be responsible for your own time and not feel like you had to watch and make sure your opponent wasn't going to try to like slow play. And then if they were, you know, you got to be all awkward and be like, Hey guy, can you, can, can you kind of speed up? Um, you just, you played your own game. And if you could play the game and you know what at the time was a reasonable amount of time, uh, then you don't have any clock problems. And sometimes you have late game problems. Like you talk about here where, where it like gets right down to the wire and it's been this really crazy game. But for the most part, if you can finish an average MCP game in about an hour and a half, you're probably more than fine on exactly. playing on clock. Exactly. And it's just, I think it's worth discussing at least a little bit. And Suits out there, if you have any questions about this match or about this game, feel free to reach out to me on Facebook. Or if you're part of our Patreon, you can check out our Discord. Uh, if you want to become part of our Patreon to get onto our Discord, you can check that out at patreon.com slash house party protocol send us messages emails uh at house party protocol pod at gmail.com uh again facebook is a great way if you're not a part of our discord community to uh, send me a message over there i'm uh, really really good about responding to those and everything so the clock thing is just it's a big discussion point right now especially in the competitive community and it's it's one that i think the way they handled it here is great i think that at a live event, the clock pressure is much more real. Yeah. But here, I, I, I did not feel rushed. Like, I kept watching my clock tick down, and I kind of had this, like, okay, what if it does go to zero? Kind of thought as the game went on, but at the same time, I just, I never really felt pressured by the clock because I wanted to be sure I was playing my game. Mm-hmm. You know? But Yeah, and, and that's how you do it. Exactly. So now, Merzane, that we've talked about all of this, and again, thank you everyone for the the kind words and for joining us on this journey. And if you've liked this series, make sure to let us know that because uh, when season eight rolls around, whenever that's going to be, probably a while, but whatever, when that rolls around, if you want more TTS special reports, make sure to let us know. So... Heck yeah. TTS special report season two, all about TTS season eight. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So Merzane, we got some show questions here in our discord from some of our, our uh, suits over there. So we've got Schultze who likes pancakes for dinner. How in the ever loving expletives do you deal with She-Hulk? Merzane, I'm going to let you take this one first. Um, yeah. So, you just don't. You just let her do what she wants. <laughs> if that's all you can do. But no, uh, on a for real note, She-Hulk is a weird one. Um, if we're talking about just in general, like there are a lot of rosters that probably don't have really good tools to deal with She-Hulk. But your best tool to deal with She-Hulk sometimes really is to just ignore her. 
if she gets in, it's really painful. But if you're not hitting her and you're not getting like setting up really good uh, special delivery plays, which is their, their form of drop off. Typically, you can kind of mitigate what she's going for. Um, if she does get in, sometimes, honestly, if you didn't have tools for her, it's fine to just leave uh, yeah. <laughs> to just scatter and make her come to you again. Um, a lot of her game plan is based on being really tanky and hitting really hard and being very scary to hit. But if you just don't hit her, that's a third of her gameplay gone or, or two thirds of her gameplay gone. And she just hits hard. Um, if you yeah. can control her with staggers and pushes or throws, that's another good way to do it. And then generally anything that kills a Hulk, you know, however you deal with the Hulk, if you kill the Hulk, however you kill the Hulk, probably kills she Hulk too. Um, you might have a couple extra steps with more bodyguards because a force typically has more bodyguards, a little bit more dice manipulation. So you may have to work a little bit harder, but that's generally how I've dealt with her in the past as you know, the same tools I deal with Hulk or leave her alone. Yeah. <laughs> Don't feed her. Um, cause yeah. a lot, cause she's six points on a team. That's got a lot of squishy little, like other people in the list usually. And if you go for them and leave her alone, she's very sad. Yeah. That's kind of the way I would categorize it too. It's, it's control or kill. And, and then with like an addendum to ignore and, yep. I've played a fair bit of her into her and I've tried all the strategies, you know, especially with convocation because like she's a real nightmare for convocation. Yeah. And I've played where I try to just hold a midline and then just teleport her away with strange every turn. And it's really nice because then I don't attack her and she only gets one attack. It is one very potent attack though. And, and then you got the throws and all that stuff. So I, I agree with you. I think that you have to, you know, ignoring and scattering is is actually a really nice game plan into She-Hulk because, like you said, usually what A-Force wants to do is kind of maximum She-Hulkiness. And if you can mitigate some of that, then it really works out well for you generally. And, like, a lot of times they'll use She-Hulk as, like, a focal point to let you focus on She-Hulk while the other characters are doing other stuff. And if you can avoid that little bit of a, of a, what, what, like a, a flat, like a red, red flag waving in the, at the bull, you know what I mean? Yep. If you can avoid that a little bit and focus on the other models a little bit more, keep She-Hulk at bay. And look, not everybody has the tools to control a She-Hulk. And then, you know, she's got the aggressive. So someone like, let's say Guardians is a good example, right? Guardians throw a lot of dice. Well, you should be able to burn down a She-Hulk with throwing all those dice. But every single time you attack her and she takes damage, she's getting closer to you. And that's not good for you. Mm -hmm. So you've got to think about that in in those kind of ways. And uh, yeah, she's she's tough to deal with, but you've just got to kind of rethink how you maybe go about playing in like run away is a perfectly good strategy against She-Hulk. Make her come to you, yeah. you know, and it might seem counterintuitive, but it is a very good strategy. Yeah. Running away is not always the best strategy, but sometimes it is a strategy and it is, it, it, it hurts because, you know, this is a game with a lot fewer activations than, you know, a lot of other games. Yeah. So everything matters more. 
but that also applies equally to your opponent. And if you can stay up by just denying your opponent action, then mm-hmm. you're doing fine. It's, it's important to be able to find those times. Absolutely. Absolutely. So next up, we have Captain Diesel. If you didn't have Hulk, who would be your best five or six threat splash for convocation? This is a really, really interesting question because there's a lot of different options here. And I've toyed with a lot of them. Uh, I really think Juggernaut has play in -hmm. convocation. I think that his mobility is something that is very interesting for them because, you know, while I like the attrition and stuff like that, I think someone having to deal with a juggernaut and how where he can be is really strong. The only problem with that is I do think I would want his card, Do You Know Who I Am, in the list anytime I brought him, and that would be kind of difficult. So yeah. that's one. I think Cassandra Nova is actually very interesting in convocation because of her Mysterio like get out of dodge ability. Her mystic defense is pretty good. Her mystic attacks, her ability to kind of have a walking deception, I think is really strong for convocation. So she's one that I've been toying with a little bit more and she's kind of like on the fringe of adding in there. And so I I like her. And then another one that I really like is Jean Grey. I like Jean Grey a lot because there's some fun things that Jean Grey gets to do. I think they're cheeky right now, but I think that they could have some play where Mordo activates and then he has the vaulting boots of Valtor. So she can activate, push him, and then he can push farther to score a point your opponent was maybe banking on being theirs or neutralize a point to give you a point swing advantage. So I think Jean Grey is really interesting. I think also that Ebony Maw is really interesting. I don't, again, it's, I don't know if he's good or not, but I think Ebony Maw and maybe even Space Gem Maw is interesting. I don't, mm-hmm. again, I don't know if it's, I, I you know what I'm saying, Merzane? There's a lot, actually. Right. I, I think we talked a good a bit about this in, like, the early episodes, you know, because, like, originally you had Hulkbuster. Yeah, Hulkbuster's and, another uh, one that I actually think has play. And I scammed you into playing Hulk, and I think it was good. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was the right decision, um, ultimately. Yeah, I, I think that, I, I thought these are really a wrong answer. It kind of depends on what you want to do. Like, I can see arguments for, like, you know, obviously, like, anyone with a with a mystic attack, like, we didn't mention Modok and Scarlet Witch. Uh, yeah, they're pretty it, good. Yeah, those wow. two as well. Uh, I could see really good reasons to bring Thor as sort of like a mini Hulk in some ways, with like, you know, like a big throw um, and a good, strong uh, physical attack. But then, like, also his hammer throw, applying shocks to people, is really good for your squishy wizards uh, to soften the blows that they're going to take. That's it's pretty good. Oh yeah. Um, classic strange if you just want to mix it up he's not really a splash because he's in convocation but like you know in your list you're typically playing sorcerer supreme but like classic strange has some like different tech you can bring that you can think about uh, Angela is another Thor essentially yep yep um, I think that there's not really like I don't think any of the five or six threats are really bad I, I probably wouldn't look at 
Cable and Black Bolt. I think maybe Ghost, Rider. Ghost Rider. I think Ghost Rider is interesting. Yeah. I think he's interesting, but I think that like some of the others do more of what you want. Uh, particularly as Ghost Rider likes wide teams and you particularly go tall with Convocation. Exactly. Um, but there's a, there, I think there's, a, I, I can even see like Magneto, right? Like Magneto's yeah. really funny because with uh, Ironbound books, you just don't have to pay for his, uh, his defensive ability. They just, all, all the physical attacks just hit his six mystic, uh, six <laughs> mystic defense for no reason. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, I think that it's, it's, I mean, I actually think She-Hulk might be interesting too because of the bodyguard. I think She-Hulk is cool. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like she's not as tanky as Hulk, but she's still got a ton of health. She has the aggressive. I think I actually might start toying with her a little more because mm-hmm. I do actually think that there's something there with, with her superior weight training. And then again, the bodyguard I think could be clutch. Yeah. So. And I think one of her biggest problems is not being able to do her throw turn one like Hulk can. Right. Uh, but with um, Wong, you can. You can turn that throw on and then she can activate last and do her throw. Exactly. So maybe that's something I'll explore going forward. But otherwise, yeah. And that's the thing about, I think, Convocation that makes them a really unique and interesting faction is their ability to splash a lot of different things. And I'm excited to keep diving in on them because I don't think I have found the secret sauce just yet, obviously. You know what I mean? Like, I I think the secret sauce is winning a season maybe or winning an event, but I haven't found that yet. I also think Loki with the mind gem as a five threat option would be, I really think there's something there with that. But Loki with either gem, honestly, like, yeah, I think Loki is just an interesting choice. And like I said, I, right at the beginning, like, you know, there's so much you can do with this affiliation. It's one of the reasons I'm scared to touch them because they're just so, they're so flexible. They've got a, a million and a half things you can do with them. And it's really just what do you in particular want to do with them? Cause like exactly. going even further down, like I could see sinister. Oh yeah. I could see. I've, I've um, played sinister in, in this list and it's, interesting i i think that i think it's solid I, I don't think it's bad i think it's one of those things where i've got to just get better with sinister to unlock him more yeah he's a weird one uh i also consider it ultron oh man i want to play uh, ultron you don't understand how much i want ultron in my convocation list and i just haven't done it yet i want him on a table i i love his model i i love what he brings it's just, he's such a weird four threat character. And like, there's so many high impact fours and four is such an awkward number in this game. Like it's just hard, but I feel like he's just waiting for a good spot to be put in. Yeah. I, I think convocation is a really good spot for him actually, but it's yep. just one of those things where do I want him or Medusa him or ancient one? And it's like, oh man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, so, mm, do I really want Ultron over this too? Right, I don't exactly. know, but maybe, but maybe, especially if you're going for tanky. Uh, exactly. I, I think it's cool that like his all will be metal thing, the uh, his uh, anti mystic attacks that yes. did, or defense that didn't matter in the core set that he started in is so good in convocation because two thirds of the attacks in the game will, will will play into that for a turn. Exactly. I love it. So next up, we've got uh, RCM Painter. What advice would you give yourself as if it were the start of the season that you learned as you played and made the cut? So the biggest advice I'd give myself is remain calm. Don't get tilted. 
find your out. Because I didn't start the season kind of with that in mind as much. And as the season unfolded, I kind of thought more in those terms, especially the finding finding the points, finding your way to keep points, play even, take the lead at the right time, that kind of stuff. Like that that's the thing I got probably the most out of this season. Mm-hmm. And and you know I'd say that's probably the biggest thing. Yeah. And I think that's really like one of the big things that turns your game from like into the into the next level is starting to make that mentality of how do I win this one? You know, and and keeping calm and just constantly reminding yourself that like there's a way to do this. I just need to figure it out sort of thing. Exactly. Um, you, you can do all the lists. You you could copy the, you know, the, the, the list that won the previous whatever big event and you could practice it with a hundred times. But if you don't come with a good mentality and stay calm when things go bad, it doesn't mean as much. Like a lot of it is your your attitude at the table. Exactly. Um, it, you can win with just about any list if you play if you play well enough. Yep. Yeah, it's uh it there was a lot that went into this season and and you know, I, I hope that everybody else got some advice out of it as well. So mm-hmm. Schultze has another question for us. What do you enjoy about Pro Acryl paints compared to other paints? And for me, it's a coverage thing. I, I mean, they go on smoother than damn near any other paint I've ever seen. And they're easy to use. For a paint company that's kind of smaller, their, their product is incredibly easy to use. You don't have to think about your mixtures and your thinning as hard as you do with some other things. Like I love scale 75 paints actually. Like they're one of my favorite paint companies, but with the medium they use and everything, you kind of have to get used to them. Even GW, you have to kind of get used to things. Sometimes every paint line has its own little nuances and pro is not really any different, but it feels like ease of use wise, they're second to none. And then just the coverage. I mean, I don't put a lot of stock into like one coating stuff because I know, you know, layers and all, blah, 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 you know, all of that. But at the same time, if I'm trying to paint fast, I know I can get something really good out of Pro Aqua without having to do like a thousand freaking layers like I do with some other paints. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's just little things like that. And I have no comments. I don't paint. <laughs> I'm a I'm a dirty gray boy. I paint rarely, so there you go. I'm a dirty gray boy. I'm going to just keep using that. I'm a dirty gray boy. There you go. Dirty gray boy. So I'm it. <laughs> Captain Diesel has another question for us. Do either of you have methods or a process about how you evaluate your ideas for rosters and cards? That is a great question. Merzane, you go first. Uh, so my list building process is typically... I want to play this cool character. How do I play this cool character? And then I build a list for it. And then I think, wow, this list sucks. And I scrap it. And then I just build something else. And it's always just something weird and different. Uh, I know that doesn't make a lot of sense, but my list building is is not, it's nonsensical and weird. (laughs) Uh, Like for example, when I came to, you know, when we, the the first tournament I came to Nashville with, when, when Nate ran that, um, that event at his church. Yeah. Uh, 
I literally built a list because I was like, I want to make Fort Kickass with Sinister and spawn waifus. <laughs> literally, I want to spawn Okoye or Valkyrie. And I built the whole list around that. And it did well. Um, and then I took it to the seat to the next TTS season and didn't do particularly well. Um, but that, that was all I wanted to do is I just wanted to make sinister good. And this previous season with midnight suns, I thought I want to play ghost rider and strange and I want to do bump and grinds. And that's all I want to do. And I built my entire, and I want to build Hulk. I want to play Hulk. I built the entire list around doing those three things as many times as possible. And, uh, I just sort of looked at like what, what has synergy with the things I want to do. So in this case, the bumps and the hulks and the big boys, what synergizes well with that? What protects them or gets more work out of them, um, and, and kind of propels me to a victory, right? Uh, or makes them act cooler? Uh, that's typically how I do it. I, I know a lot of people will will build lists for like the game itself. They're like, I want to win on these scenarios, so I'm going to bring these scenarios. And bring characters that work well in those scenarios and affiliations that work well in those scenarios. But I don't, I, I'm like, I want to play this one character. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I feel that so much because that's kind of how I start my process mainly is what do I want to play? Just right off the rip, right? But once I've kind of got an idea, so let's just talk about Convocation as an example. I played Convocation in season six as well. And at least I think for half of it, I don't remember what I played at the first half. It's been so long, but you know, in that point I was just like figuring out what worked, what didn't work, kind of getting a feel for the characters. And and that's about kind of when you talk about method and process at the end of the day, it's just figuring out what your character's limitations and advantages are. And, the only way you're going to do that is by having them on the tabletop. And last season, because of the way it kind of it unfolded, I knew I was out of the cuts early. So it was it was eval time. And by that, I mean, OK, here comes magic halfway in the season. Let's put her on the table. Let's see what she's good at. You know, here's here's Mordo. Let's see if he does anything other than just give people dice. You know, Clea, is she anything other than just a teleport throw machine? Spoiler alert, not really, but that's really good at times. So, you know, it's just kind of my process just involves trying to see what works and what doesn't. And then if I'm playing casually or if I'm in that stage of kind of refinement, it's like recently I took a list to a local event. It was a tournament and and I took a, a total complete test list. It was convocation still, but it was like, let me just throw these things in here and see what works. And I played Mr. Sinister every game to see whether he worked or not. I went one and two, which I'm fine with because I, I use that as a gauge, if you will. It's like, I'm going to see if this works. And, mm-hmm. you know, for me in that moment, it didn't work, but I learned a lot. I learned about what Sinister can and can't do. I learned kind of some ways to get more utility out of him and stuff like that. So going forward, I think I have some interesting ideas I can play with him. And so all of that to say... The, the method in the process is just getting the games in and, and being focused with what I'm trying to do with particular games and rosters. So Convocation, you know, I knew at the start of the season I wanted to play Killy Convocation, Kill Vocation, 
if you will. And it worked out pretty good for the first three matches. And But I realized there were some limitations in that. So that's why I kind of changed things up a little bit as the season went on and moved into some more control with a side of kill stuff because I feel like that while I can do the killing, putting all of my eggs into the strange kills everything basket is a little tough. So it's just one of the things that I've learned. And it's just the process is kind of reflecting on your games. And I highly recommend, I don't necessarily do this for every game, but keep in a notebook and and seeing, seeing what that feels like. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, just something there. Uh, and then let's see. Schultze has another question for us. The next league is a reverse the whip format where you bring the roster your opponent has to play with. What do you bring and why? <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, I try to bring Viper every time for my <laughs> opponent to play because that's just fun. <laughs> and I don't know. I mean, goodness, this is insane. We're saying like, I, I don't even know what to say to this, but other than just, just bring Viper. Definitely. You, I, I bring an unaffiliated list with all of the two threats. Oh, that seems wild. And, and like Viper and I don't know who's a really crappy three threat. Like out of affiliation, just generally. Oh man, uh, I don't even know. Uh, Clea maybe like she's not great. Like just unaffiliated by herself. That's right. I'll give you Clea on that one. I, like Clea is not a crappy three threat, but on her own in a vacuum. Yeah, sure. I'll give you that. Well, I started thinking about it. Like there's not really any crappy three threats. Like they're all pretty good. It's just depending on where they are good. Crossbones, maybe? You be quiet. <laughs> Crystal? Uh, I actually think Crystal's pretty decent standalone. I think one of her problems is she's outshone by other things in her affiliations. Fair. Very fair there. Yeah. It's just the thing. Like, there's no real bad ones other than Viper. Wasp? Is that great? I mean, but, yeah, Vipes. Or Wasp, okay. Yeah, sure. It's okay, but yeah, like I, I mean, the the thing is, like, there's you could probably build a crappy team for someone and get get your butt kicked. Exactly. There's a lot of characters that like look crappy, and you know, people will say, "Oh, well, they're not good or whatever. They're not competitive," but they're actually like just shy of being like completely average. And typically, like the best characters, like we talk about, like Voodoo and. Hulk and all these other characters being like really good. They're pretty much just like just above average with maybe one or two things that make them potentially broken. Yeah. Uh, and for the most part, they're just above average characters. So the difference between like, you know, a rogue, for example, who is considered a good character and a Viper are not that extreme in their point values and their roles. Very true. The reason, the reason people don't like Vipers because she's very boring compared to like on the when you look at her card you think wow what a boring character but the few times i've seen her hit the table she's actually done some good work i mean i've won a game because of viper before but your viper or their viper my viper and okay and that's the thing like i you know it, it again that is a piloting thing and i still maintain that there are no truly trash characters in this game you just got to put characters in the best place to succeed with that being said, though, I think Viper, like you said, un- unexciting and 
just generally there are better options all the time. But dice are going to dice, so you can put anybody on the table and see what happens. Yep. I, I think that since the errata, there are, I think there were some bad characters. I think there's significantly fewer, if not, if none. Sure. I think that there, Daredevil might be the worst character in the game, but I still think he's got game in some places. He just needs a little bit of help right now. Completely agree there. That, like, that box was just weird. Daredevil and Bullseye, look, I feel like... One more stamina huh. on Daredevil on his healthy and injured side. I think you were having a conversation. I think he's fine. I, I, I feel like both those characters were designed as... We see Bullseye at two threat and be like, oh, wow, he's really good. I feel like Daredevil was designed as a three threat. And I think they both, like, right before shipping, they're like, maybe we need to bump their points up by one. <laughs> Let's just bump their points up. I, I, think, I think we need to bump their points up. But they bumped their points up and maybe gave them something. Like, I don't know, maybe they, they just, like, tossed uh, baton hook or something, or, or the stun on Daredevil Strike. You just toss something, like, yeah, he's four threat. Like, ship it. Right. And then everyone's like, wait a minute, no. Or, like, bullseye. They're like, uh, toss this on there, and he'll be he'll be a good three threat. Right. Like, parting shot, I think, was what I used to say, was what they tossed on there. Um. And now that bullseye's been changed and he's a good two threat, like, I'm like, man, it does, I, he did feel his role feels like a good two threat. Exactly. Maybe. But I, I, I the, and that's, that brings up an interesting point. Like even a quote bad character, if you just like a slight retool or like role swap or a slight point change can bring them into being excellent. Yeah, completely agree. So next up with an actual question, we have Sandbox. He says, now that season seven is in is in the wrapped up for our heroes. What is the game plan going forward for future events? Same affiliations or looking to switch things up? Great question. I know myself, I'm, I'm pretty much committed to barring fantastic four coming out in 2022. I'm pretty much committed to convocation for right now. Like I still love my web warriors. You know, I'll bust out, my web warriors on the tabletop every now and again, you know, they're, they're still some of my favorite characters, amazing Spider-Man, Miles, Gwen, those characters, some of my favorites. With that being said, I am very, 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 very much enjoying the puzzle that is convocation right now. And ever since I started talking about this faction and these models and these characters, uh, you, Merzane, he even said, you know, they're too big brain for me. And look, they're they're too big brain for me too, but I'm trying and it's fun to kind of try these different things and to say, okay, let me splash a Sinister, let me splash a Juggernaut, let me take Ancient One out of my list, which I swear to God, I wish I had Ancient One on this matchup this past week, which was blowing my mind. Yeah. Like I was sitting there thinking, I was like, man, I wish I had Ancient One. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a whole other thing. And, and so like, you know, like I'm, I'm enjoying, I'm, I'm enjoying convocation and I don't want to switch because I'm, I'm having too much fun with them. Now, with that being said, I think Shadowland Daredevil's interesting. I don't really care for the grunts aspect of it, but I think him as a character by himself in a vacuum is very interesting. So there's that, but otherwise convocation is my jam for now because there's, I, I feel like there's just still so much untapped play with them. What about you, Mercedes? 
Uh, I'm definitely swapping off of Midnight Suns. Uh, I, I It's hard for me to stick to one affiliation for very long. And I've been playing Midnight Suns for a while now. Um, so I'm just, I'm ready to, to move to a different one. Uh, not just because I had a disappointing season, but because it's just, I, I, I could feel the ADD kicking in and I need to, I need to find some new characters to play with. And there's so many to play. That being said, I have no idea what I'm playing. Uh, <laughs> My current, so I've got Cerebro MCP pulled up. Um, here are my five lists I'm working on right now. Uh, the first one is Avengers. Avengers. Uh, which I'm trying to combine both Captain Americas into a decent list and have like a half and half build. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if it'll work, but we'll see. Uh, Convo for dummies. <laughs> uh, I do have a convocation list in there. Uh, which has only four convocation characters and six splash characters, including Thanos, Hulk, Juggernaut, Black Dwarf, Lizard, Okoye. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. I, and to be fair, I do think that there is also a version of convocation where you take the minimum amount of convocation characters required. Yep. So, And that's that's kind of what I'm experimenting with if I want to try that. Uh, Guardians of My Rider, which is probably just going to be a, a bog-standard Guardians list at this point. I, a bunch of Guardians with... Sam Iron Man, so I can do some uh, some Ricochet Blast and Ghost Rider, which is the the writer of the title. Love it. Uh, Sinister A Force, which is A Force with Mister Sinister, because I've uh, thought for a while that he might be somewhat decent in that list. Uh, so maybe. And then Webby Warriors with the Lenny Face, if you know what Lenny Face is. Lenny Face. Uh, <laughs> uh, which I used to play a lot of Web Warriors. Um, and I really like them, but my problem with Web Warriors is there's so many good. The problem with all of these is there's so many good characters, and there's so many characters I want to play. It's so hard to fit all of them in. So exactly, uh, I'm I could I, I could see myself also playing like Brotherhood. Um, so why don't you just cool. go ahead and name every affiliation? <laughs> I, that's, that's basically where it's at. Like I'm just so looking at almost it. every affiliation. Like God, I could play them. Yeah, except for Black Order and Criminal Syndicate and uh, uh, both flavors and like some other stuff. Like I just don't, I don't want to play Wakanda or Cabal. Like I've got a few set up that I want to play and some characters I'm thinking about. Like I want to play Loki and Gambit, Ghost Rider, uh, Murder Strange. Oh yeah. Iron Man. Like there's just a bunch of weird characters I want to play. And it's just like, what combination of these characters can I play in which list? Exactly. Or, Or combination of the most characters anyway. No, I love it. So, Next up, we have Leland. He says, if you could remove one character from the game for whatever reasons, which character would be it? And then he says, and why would you then replace that character with Alpha Flight? (laughs) Well, uh, Alpha Flight clearly needs to be in the game. You know, let's represent some Canada. And uh, the character I would remove would be Thanos, full stop. Thanos? Why? I'm just, he's annoying. Do you mean like you'd you'd remove this version of Thanos or him from the game entirely? Well, I mean, obviously, I don't want to get too deep in the weeds here on the discussion of Thanos right now, but <laughs> he his however he is in the game right now, like that's the way I look at it. If you could remove one character from the game, like obviously Thanos exists in the Marvel Universe, he needs to be in Crisis Protocol. But Thanos, as he exists right now, I mean, I, I don't think Jacob has done his cuts stats thing yet but literally 
Thanos is in two thirds of the list in the cuts. I think. Yeah. It, it whether someone intends to use him or not, like my opponents, like you know, I have a use case for him, but it's more of a red herring. It, you know, whether you intend to use him or not, it speaks to his strength, and it speaks to just. I mean, I was always of the mind he's an eight threat character at his best that you have to account for that eight threat, but you're able to kind of mitigate a lot of that at times. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. I could see that. Um, for me, uh, it's Omega red. Ah, uh, why Omega red? You may ask. Well, one, because if he was to be removed from the game, like Viper, I think no one would notice. Um, and two, I really hate the tentacles coming out of his arms. I think I mentioned it before. Uh, Kenny will tease me for it. Uh, I hate the way it looks under his skin and artworks. And I hate Omega Red for it uh, on like a deeply personal level. And I think my existence is uh, worse for knowing he exists. (laughs) Well, there you go. Uh, For gameplay reasons, maybe Corvus because Corvus is just an unadulterated murder machine. And I I have like like crazy bad, like wa- I don't want to play against Corvus Glaive anytime I see him. Cause I'm like, Oh God, he's just going to murder everything in, in existence. Exactly. I'm with you. I'm with you. So yeah, that's my answer there. And with that suits that about wraps us up. But before we finish off and put a bow on this thing, I do want to talk about a couple things. First off, Make sure to check out our giveaway that is now active. We are doing Nick Fury and his S.H.I.E.L.D. agents, Shadowland Daredevil, Elektra, and the Hand Ninjas as a giveaway. So check out our Facebook page for that. And we need a secret code word for the suits to send us messages via Facebook preferred. If not there, you can send it to our email at housepartyprotocolpod at gmail.com. You can also send me the message on Discord. I'll be able to keep track of it there as well. Uh, but we need a secret code word, Merzane. Uh, gr- grunt. <laughs> grunt. That's vanilla as they come, but I'll take it. You put me on the spot, man. I know, I know. You like, you're welcome. So grunt is going to be our code word for this episode. And uh, yeah, send us that. And then also, Merzane, you had a little bit of an announcement, right? Yeah. So uh, as some of you may know, uh, I'm part of uh, two other podcasts, Advanced R&D. Uh, where we build stupid lists and uh, Gamers Guild, which if you've seen the YouTube channel, uh, it's more focused on bringing new players into the game. The podcast is more focused on taking some of those new players and putting them, kind of bringing them to the next level, sort of like what this has talked about. Um, And we have invited Will uh, to join us in a roundtable discussion here in the near future uh, to talk about TTS League this, this season uh, as a whole, some of the cut stuff, um, our performances, how we felt, and, and a bunch of other stuff, um, which will include me. Um, it should include Shadow Marvel, Matthew, and Sooner. Uh, we're deciding timing because Sooner's still in the cut, so we don't know if we want to wait for him to finish his run or go ahead and do it and then do a, do a wrap-up with him later. Um, but it should be in the next couple weeks at the most. Uh where we'll, we'll, we'll kind of discuss some of the stuff we talked about here, maybe in some more detail, and then some other stuff. I love it. I'm super stoked for that. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. 
And yeah, I mean, it's just more content for all the thirsty suits out there. Yep. Uh, I think it's going to be a great time. Uh, I, I've done a couple of round tables and they're really fun to just, it's just a nice little hangout where you talk about stuff. Exactly. Exactly. Light interview questions. <laughs> Love it. So yeah, suits, make sure to check all that stuff out. Check out our giveaway. Just leave us a comment, leave us a like on the post itself. Please, for the love of God, the original post. I know it's hard to, you know, when, you know, and it's shared out on there, all the things, right? But like the mm. one that is the, the, that I can track the easiest is the very original post on the House Party Protocol Facebook page. If you comment on one of the other ones, that's fine. I work it out. <laughs> the best one, though, and the easiest on me is the original Facebook post. So please check that out. And uh, yeah. With that, make sure to check out uh, warroomhobbies.com. Use the code MCP2022 to get some money off there if you're interested and you don't have an LGS kind of local to you. Otherwise, FLGS all the way. But uh, yeah, party on, Merzane. Party on, Will. And power down suits. And this concludes the special report. Tune in next week for more.